Thank you for joining us at Creative Church. We pray that this word blesses your heart and blesses your life. And if it has, I want to encourage you to feed what's feeding you and to give to what's giving to you. The easiest way to do this is to visit creativechurch.com give. Thank you for your faithfulness and your generosity. Be sure to like this video and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure to click on the notifications so you never miss an encouraging word from Creative Church. Let's go to the word of the Lord, church. Let's go to the word of the Lord. You may see a few people standing because they were here last Sunday. The book of Romans. The book of Romans, chapter 15. And Creative Church said, bring the book. Amen works too. The book of Romans chapter 15 verse 4 says, for whatever things were written before time were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to us about the Old Testament. How many people love the whole Bible? And we don't change parts of the Bible to accommodate uh, the culture of this world and the trends of this world. The Word of God is not progressive. The Word of God is perfect. God is not progressive. It's perfect. This does not need to be changed or edited. It is perfect. Praise the Lord. Now let's go to Nehemiah. Some of y'all have been to Nehemiah. If you weren't here, well, we were in Nehemiah last week. Nehemiah 13. Nehemiah 13, I'm going to start reading in verse 23. I'm so excited to get here today to preach to y'all. I couldn't hardly stand it. I just couldn't stand it. I just couldn't wait for Sunday. Um, Nehemiah 13, verse 23. It says, in those days, uh, well, let me, let me preface this text for you. Um, Nehemiah is coming uh, back into the city. The city walls have been torn down by King Nebuchadnezzar. And they're now coming back into the city. We talked last week about how he rebuilt the wall within 52 days. It was a powerful, powerful thing. But he comes in and he begins to see and observe the culture. And it says, in those days, uh, I also saw Jews who had married women of Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab, and half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod and could not speak the language of Judah, but spoke according to the language of one or the other people. So I contended with them. He cursed at them. Um, he, cursed, he cursed them, struck some of them, pulled their hair out, and made them swear 
saying, do not give your daughters as wives to their sons, nor take their daughters for your sons for yourselves. Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? Yet among many nations, there was no king like him who was beloved of his God and God made him king over Israel. Nevertheless, these pagan women caused him to sin. Should we then hear of your doing all this great evil, transgressing against our God by marrying pagan women? You ready to dig into this a little bit? And I, I read what I read in um, Romans um, because what was written to us aforetime is for our learning and our understanding uh, that we can go back and glean into the word of God and find truths in God's word to help us for this current day and age. And if there's ever been a time for us to rise up and be truth tellers, it's now. Um, especially all of the men in here. Uh, fathers, you are the head of your house. Um, and God needs you to have a vision for your home. Without a vision, people perish. And I would say um, to all the, the, the dads that are here, sign up for our, our men's conference, our Creator's Men's Conference. We've got over 100 guys signed up already. Somebody say amen about that. Sixth grade and up. And this is our burden. Uh, we're going to wear these when we're there, and we're going to write on it all the things that we need to be delivered from. And uh, God's given me a whole vision for this. It's going to be a powerful, powerful time. And so, you know, if you've got something going on that, that, uh, those th three days, um, it's simple. Uh, cancel it. Change it. And, uh, and be a part of this because we need this. We need brothers like never before. Amen. And we need to model to the next generation. And you don't even have to be a part of our church to go to this. None of the men who, uh, who are coming have to be a part of our church. This is not a church-focused event. This is a freedom event. This is a deliverance event. Come on, this is an evangelism event. So we've got, I think we've got at least 20 of the guys signed up who don't, they don't even go to the church. Uh, so we're not talking about church. We're talking about faith. We're talking about Christ. We're talking about freedom. We're talking about deliverance. And I want you to be a part of this. So don't be passive with me. Like, I, one thing you'll learn about me if you get in my world, I do not have a problem with confrontation. Like, I will confront you. Like, you need to be a part of this. Did you hear what I said? You don't, 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 pass, don't be passive with me when I, when I do this. I've got eight kids, okay? I woke up to vomit in a crib that I had to clean up, okay, this morning. Uh, so, like, I'm in it. Nobody's more busy I'm down to put my busy up against anybody else's busy in here, all right? But this is important, and uh, we need a brotherhood like never before. So sign up, uh, and there's not a woman in here that wouldn't support her husband going and being a part of this. Come on, ladies, am I right about it? So um, sign up, be a part. It's, it's not a women's uh, conference, it's a men's conference, all right? It's gonna, we're gonna, it's gonna be, you know, the definition of, of 
rugged masculinity. Masculinity is not a sin. God made us men. We're not women. Do you hear me? God made us men. It's okay to be a man. It's okay to be a man. It's okay to be masculine. Do you hear me? It's okay. Don't apologize for it. God made you a man. All right? And, uh, and we need brothers like never before. So, Father, thank you for your word. Anoint me to minister it with clarity that we may be changed. In Jesus' name, Creative Church said, Amen. give him praise one more time. You can be seated. Grab your Bibles. Let's go to work. Um, I want to talk to you today about the danger of losing a language. And I asked, our, uh, I asked our young creative junior to be in here today. Give them a big God bless you. I'm glad that they're in here. But I wanna talk about the danger of losing a language and the death of a language is not a, a uh, trivial, small matter. Um, there's over 600, last I checked, there was over 600 languages in the world. Um, almost every two weeks, another one becomes extinct in our, in our world. And uh, the demise of a language or a dialect is really a terrible tragedy because the dialect represents the culture of a people. That's what it represents. And there are so many things within a language or mores within a language that are embedded in those words that are invisible strands of uh, DNA that all lead back to the culture that represent that people. And uh, for years, they have been passed down from generation to generation through the language, and when a language is lost, it is such a serious thing. It's a very serious thing because there is no bridge to the past. There's no bridge, there is no bridge or history uh, or genealogies, and the, the, the struggle or the glories or the successes or failures of that people uh, become lost. You can ask the, uh, the Bawana people, a remote tribe that still exists in the jungles of the Amazon, and uh, one of the few people who still know how to make kori, uh, and kori is a poisonous concoction that people put, that they would put on the tips of their arrows or spears to be able to kill an animal or an enemy within seconds, and that concoction has been passed down from generation to generation through the language, and, and now that language is becoming endangered, and they are not teaching it to the next generation, and you're raising a whole generation that cannot defend themselves. Um, you could consider another tribe I was reading about just this week that refuses outside languages into their culture because they do not want that language to indoctrinate their children. And they do not want their children to grow up learning another language 
and forget the language of their fathers and forefathers. And they said the reason they only allow their language to be spoken in their tribe in the jungle is because they think that their language is the exclusive language that their gods understand. And they believe that the only enchantments of uh, their language are the languages that connect to the spirit world. And when I began to look at this and begin to read this, the reality is we're seeing that same threat being imposed upon our Christianity and our Pentecostal reality. And it is possible for us to lose the language that God gave us. How many of you know that God gave us a heavenly language? That it is possible for us as the church to lose the heavenly language that God has given to us and the threat that we would lose the language that our forefathers spoke to us is a real reality. We've got people in church today that speak out of both sides of their mouth. They're, they're, uh, they say they're Pentecostal, uh, but they use praying in the spirit as their second language. They use the language that is given to us through the word of God as their second language and not their first language. They're saying they are Christians, but they use the scriptures as their second language and they quote CNN and Fox News and MSNBC and YouTube tutorials as their first language. Y'all wanna go to the gym today or you want a massage? Because I came to work out. I can't make this feel good and work you out at the same time. If you want a massage, you gotta go to a different church. There's a many churches in the Twin Cities that literally massage people into hell. We're not gonna do that. We're gonna tell people the truth. And uh, the culture of our time is the culture that they live in and they have made the culture that they live in their first language. Gone is the language of the ancient men of ages. Gone is the language of Abraham. Gone is the language of Isaac. Gone is the language of Jacob. And there is a danger that a generation would come up that does not know the language that God has given us in our prayer closets. Praying in the spirit is powerful. Listen to me, young people. Praying in the Holy Ghost is powerful. Praying in the spirit is like the poison on the end of our darts that we can shoot at Satan and his demonic forces. It is our spiritual warfare. And without the language of God, the next generation does not know how to defend themselves. They do not know uh, how to wage war. They do not know how to wage spiritual war nor defend themselves because they do not know the language of the word of God. They walk around saying, well, well, what is your truth? Well, what is your truth? We live in an age of relativism. Well, that's my truth. And what's your truth? And what's your truth? And what is your pronoun? And what is your pronoun? And what is your pronoun? Because everybody has their own truth. What is your truth today? What is your truth today? But for 
Bible-believing Christians, truth to us is not a what. Truth to us is a who. It is a person. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the wonder of his glory, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Truth to us is Jesus Christ. Truth to us is the word of God. Hide it in your heart that you might not sin against God. Truth is not a, not a, a what, but it is a who. It is Christ. Christ that lives on the inside of us. Christ in you is the hope of glory. And we need to become fluent with the language of a risen again Christ. Our young people need to become fluent with the language of sacrifice. They need to become fluent with the dialect of commitment. Not just love, 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 love. God is love, everything is love. We love, 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 love. You can do whatever you want, love, love. Believe whatever you want, love, love, love. Everything is love. See, we live in a world that's full of love and no commitment, but biblical love is commitment. That's why we got people living together. I love you and you love me, but he don't love you enough to commit to you in marriage. Sit there, I'm coming for you, just sit there. Well, I love, love, love. We, biblical love is commitment. It's manifested in giving for God so love that he gave. He committed to the cross. It's commitment. We live in a generation that hates commitment. Sign up for our phone, no commitment. Do this, no commitment. We don't want a house. We want to buy, we want a van and live in our van and drive all over the world and take pictures and be famous on Instagram. We don't want a house. We don't want a job. We don't want a wife. We don't want a husband. We don't want a commitment. We live in a world that is, that, that they sell products based on no commitment. No contract, no commitment, no covenant. It's just love, 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 love. One time in the Bible it says God is love. Over 400 times in the word of God, it says God is holy. You don't hear people talking about holiness. The angels around the throne don't say love, love, love. They say holy, holy, holy. It's not that the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. It's the Father, the Son, and the, oh, see. And churches that don't want to flow in truth deny the Holy Spirit. Churches that want to have relativism, you will not see people pray in tongues. You will not see people flow in the gifts of the Spirit. You will not see miracles, signs, and wonders because you cannot con God. You cannot make God embrace your own theology. So you will have a form of godliness, but you will deny the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why we've got to teach this to the next generation. Well, what about me? I'm 40. What about me? I'm 50. It's easy. You know, we ain't focused on you. What? Well, I'm 60. Yeah, we ain't focused on you. You had your time. We're focused on the next generation. 
We're focused on young people. That's why when you come to this church, you're always gonna hear us talk about young people. We're doing cell phone permit. We're doing camps. We're doing this. We're doing that. We're focused on youth ministry. Teenagers here on Wednesday night, that's, what, that's who we're focused on. Now, don't write me a letter and don't send me an email. It's, I'm not saying that we won't do everything in our power to reach 40 and 50 and 60-year-olds, but you can spend a fortune trying to reach a 60-year-old because the, the longer you wait, the odds of you coming to Christ drop dramatically. Most people get saved between the ages of four and 14. It's almost statistically like negligible to, to, to think that most 50 and 60 year olds or even 40 year olds are coming to Christ. They're not. Because the longer you wait, the harder your heart becomes. That's why God said, don't play hard to get with me. The day you hear my voice, harden not your heart. Harden not your heart, because I'm not promising to call you again. That's why I'm so glad I heard him when he called my name. Anybody else glad that you heard him when he called your name and you surrendered your life to Christ? And we need to become affluent with the language of sacrifice, commitment, and we are risking raising a generation that will not experience victory. If they do not learn this language, there's a danger that we have in speaking half the Bible and half Oprah. I think Oprah's great as long as she's your talk show host, not your pastor. People who are raising a generation, they speak half Christianity and, and half YouTube tutorial. half word of God and half secular humanism. Sit there, I'm coming. Half living for God and half living for the world. Come on. See, what Satan has done is he has taken the truths that are in God's word and he has hijacked them. Satan is not a creator. He is a manipulator. He makes nothing original. Nothing original, young people. He takes everything that God has taught us and he perverts it. Perverts it. That's why one of the challenges with homosexuality is such a perversion is because they cannot reproduce. That's why they want to indoctrinate your children. Because they cannot reproduce their own. Amen. Amen. That's why they want to talk to your kids, talk to your grandchildren. And we've got to be able to tell people the truth in love. But the only thing that frees you is truth. And the world has taken the rainbow, which God created, and he has manipulated it. He has taken love and manipulated it. He has taken compassion and manipulated it. He has taken justice and manipulated it. So he, takes, he makes nothing of his own. He is taking all the things that we stand for and twisted the meaning of them. He's twisted the meaning of love. 
He's twisted the meaning of compassion. He has now twisted the meaning of justice. And now we've got a whole generation of young people who don't know how to defend truth because they think, well, the church now isn't loving. The church isn't full of compassion. The church is not full of justice. The church is not full of this. The church is not full of that. And parents don't know how to defend it. And you got young people who don't know how to defend their faith. And Satan is taking their faith because parents did not teach them the word of God. We've got to teach our children this language or we will lose the language that has been passed to us for thousands of years. Thousands of years has been imparted unto us and now we're going to lose it because we would not speak it. And when this begins to happen, and something precious becomes lost in Nehemiah 13. The people had broken the covenant of God. And as a result, Jerusalem had been destroyed. Their walls had been torn down. And they had been left there. And what, and what had been left there was a group of Jewish people who, who they spoke the Hebrew language. But when Nehemiah comes back to rebuild the walls around Jerusalem, he notices and hears children playing in the streets. And he says that they are the children of Jewish people who married into other religions. And he gives the names, Ashdod was one of them. These other religions, and as a result, their children were not speaking in their native tongue. They were not speaking in their nationality. They were not speaking in their religion. And he hears all of these um, half Hebrew children speaking another language and every now and then they would say a word in Hebrew but he could tell that the Hebrew language was their secondary language and the culture that they were living in had become their first language and then they made a statement in the Jewish language was gone from that generation I'm saying to you as the church that we are in danger of marrying the spirits of this age. That we are in danger of marrying the spirits of this world and thereby releasing and raising up a generation of children who do not know the God of their fathers, who do not know the God of their forefathers, nor do they understand the language of the spirit, nor do they understand the language of praise nor do they understand the language of worship, nor do they understand the language of travailing or tearing. Some of y'all don't even know the word tearing. Tearing means to pray until. Some of y'all pray over cancer like you're praying over your food. There, there used to be a term called tearing. There used to be this thing called spiritual warfare. There used to be these meetings called prayer meetings where the church came together and prayed and we prayed until chains were broken off of people and deliverance happened in people's lives because there is power in the Holy Spirit. Somebody, if you believe it, say amen. amen. We have a generation that does not understand spiritual warfare, do they, nor do they know anything about tearing down uh, demonic walls and strongholds. Strongholds is a term you don't hear anymore. 
strongholds because this generation says, oh, that stuff's not necessary. It's not necessary. We've adopted the language of our culture. We live in a day and age where we do not hear the language of sacrifice. We do not hear the language of generosity. Our children don't even have the thought of going and getting a summer job and saving up money so that they can go on a missions trip just to give their summer to somebody else that's in need. They don't even have the thought of that anymore. We've not even been taught that it's important. They've not even been taught that it's important to them to serve because they don't see serving. They've not been taught sacrifice because they don't see sacrifice. Because we've married the culture that we live in more than we've married ourselves to the word of God and his priorities. Oh, it's a hard truth. And it's a community of people who embrace the culture of this world and they begin to speak less and less out of their native tongue. And we begin to speak less the language of God, less the language of faith, less the language of truth, less the language of righteousness, less the language of holiness. And without holiness, no man shall see God. Did you hear me? Without holiness, not without love, without holiness, no man shall see God. I can't get one amen. Amen. The language of Jesus, the language of the Holy Spirit, the language of speaking in tongues, the language of the rapture, the language of the blood. It used to be the center of our lives, but we've lost this language. Parents, what language are you teaching your children? Are you teaching the language of this world? Are you teaching them the causes of this world, the anthems of this world, the justice of this world? Are you teaching them the word of God? What is being taught in your home? In the book of Deuteronomy chapter six and seven, it says, hear ye, O Israel, the Lord is one. Hear these words which I command you this day, that you shall, that they shall be on your heart, that you shall teach them diligently to your children. Somebody say diligently. This is the word of God. Teach them diligently to your children that you shall talk about them when you sit in your house, that you shall talk about them when you lie down and when you rise up and when you walk, just all day long, Jesus, 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 faith, 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 sacrifice, 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 deliverance, 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 the blood, the blood, the blood, the blood, that we will talk about them when we wake up, when we lie down, when we do business throughout the day. We bring the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit into your children. Well, you're fanatical. I'm not, I'm not going to embrace the culture of this world. The culture of this world, I may be fanatical talking about it, but the culture of this world's fanatical. They're talking to them on their phone seven, eight hours a day, pushing their agendas, pushing ungodliness into the hearts of our children. And I'm going to counteract it with gospel music and worship music, and I'm going to counteract it with prayer and sacrifice. I'm going to counteract it with the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
And that's why we come to church, because we want to teach them the language of God. We bring them on Wednesday night so they can learn the word of God. We bring them to, to, to children's church so that they can learn the word of God. But, but he says that's not enough just for you to get them in church. You've got to get it in your house. Nowhere here in Deuteronomy does it say bring them to the temple and they will learn it in the temple. It says you shall diligently teach it to your children. When you rise up, when you lay down, when you're walking throughout the day, you as parents have to invest this into your children or your children will lose the language that God has given us. Every morning, every night, when you walk, when you're at the park talking about God, we're going to talk about faith, we're going to talk about forgiveness, we're going to talk about healing, we're going to talk about truth, we're going to talk about restoration. Any chance you get, just throw faith in there. Any chance you get, throw Jesus in there. Any chance you get, plead the blood over them. Before they get out of the car, I just plead the blood of Jesus over them today. I just pray, God, that you would go before them. Let no harm, no plague, no disease, no destruction come nigh their dwelling. Lay hands on them and prophesy over them every morning, every night. Teach them the word of God. Before they get out of the car, lay hands on them and prophesy over them in Jesus' name. Lean not to your own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Why can't you be like other parents? I don't want to be like other parents. I'm not trying to be like other parents. I'm trying to teach you this language. They're letting the culture dictate their home more than people let the word of God dictate their home. They let social media dictate their home instead of letting God's word dictate their home. They let CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, YouTube News, you let all of these other people dictate the culture and the atmosphere in your home rather than you letting the word of God dictate the culture and the atmosphere in your home. Hide it in their hearts that they may not sin against God. And you know, I want all of my kids to know this word, have it down in their heart to where we can get the language down in them. I want to get it so down in their heart, but by the time they grow up, they may make mistakes, they may walk away, but at some point they're going to come back and say, you know what, this language is in me. And here I am. And they look back at me and say, just like the disciples said to Jesus, where else can we go? You, you alone have the words to eternal life. Train up a child in the way that they should go, that when they're old, they will not depart from the language. Joshua chapter 3 said that there arose a generation afterward that did not know the Lord nor the mighty works that he had done for Israel. When there is an abandonment to teaching the word of God, there's an abandonment of people's disciplines in their homes. And there's a threat to this generation coming up that they do not know the Lord. Our young people, many of them do not know the Lord, nor do they know the mighty works that God has done for you. That's why you need to tell your children about the miracles. Tell your children about the times God healed you. Tell your children about the times God delivered you. Tell your children about the times that you didn't have any money and you had $10, but you wrote that check for $1, and now you're a multimillionaire because you trusted God. Tell them the glories and the stories of God's faithfulness in your life. 
There's a responsibility as parents and grandparents to talk about the glory, about how God protected you and made a way for you. Tell the stories. Tell them the stories. Teach the language. Yell it, shout it, sing it, write it. Don't come to church and sit there like a bump on a log. Come to church and be willing to sing and lift your hands and worship and shout. And every time I lift my hands and worship, I'm teaching my children the language of praise, the language of worship, that dad is not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God and the salvation to all those that believe that after 20 years in the wilderness, they lost it. The children of Israel marched down into the wilderness and after just a few years, even though God had commanded them, God had commanded all of them that they take the mark. See, in the Old Testament, they had a mark of circumcision. And that was God's mark on his people. And after 20 years, they just stopped talking about it. Even though God had told them, they just stopped talking about it. And it, And in any theology that is not taught will soon be lost. That's why we have to teach our children about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen? Amen. That's why we got to talk to them about the rapture. I grew up, I mean, the rapture, that's all we talked about. They talked about the rapture all the time. The rapture, the tribulation, they talked about truth. They talked about lifting holy hands. They talked about praying in the Holy Ghost. They talked about the anointing. We've got to talk to our kids about the anointing. Why is dad anointing me with oil? Why is dad prophesying over me? Because what we don't talk about becomes extinct. And they got into the wilderness, and before Joshua was able to take them into the promised land, they had to go and recircumcise all the people because there were generations that did not know anything about circumcision. How did that happen? They quit talking about it. They quit talking about it, and they had the Ark of the Covenant. Listen to me. They had the Ark of the Covenant, which was worship. And boy, the church knows how to worship. Everybody loves worship. Let's worship. Come on, let's put on Hillsong. Come on, let's put on Maverick City. Come on, let's put on this, let's put on that. Everybody wants to worship, worship, worship. And they had the Ark of the Covenant, which meant worship, but they didn't have the Mark of the Covenant which was circumcision. They didn't have the mark of God on their life. And we have a whole generation of people who are growing up in the church who love to worship. And they love the Ark of the Covenant, but they don't have the mark of the covenant in their heart of sacrifice, of getting rid of fleshly things, oh Jesus. The mark in your life where you say no to things. I will not do that. I will not go there. I have a conviction about that in my life. There's some things that God has convicted me in my heart about that I will not do. I don't just have the Ark of the Covenant worship in my life, but as I sit here, I have the Mark of the Covenant in my life. I have convictions. And what happened was they quit talking about it and they had the Ark of the Covenant which was about worship, but they didn't have the mark of the covenant in their bodies. And this whole generation loves to worship and lift hands and clap, but we love to be entertained. But what God is saying, you need the mark of sanctification. 
sanctification. Sanctification means I am becoming like Christ. When you get saved, you are justified. Justified. Everybody say justified. When you get saved, that is justification, meaning justice has taken place in your life and the price of your sin has been paid through the blood of Jesus. Through a right called substitution, you are now justified. You are now in right standing with God because the price has been paid. Amen. You see, when Jesus, when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the debt we owed. So from Genesis to the gospel of St. Matthew, all of the lambs that were slain collectively could not settle the debt that sin had laid upon us where we were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. It's like you have a credit card. They say you owe $1,000, but pay the minimum payment, which is $100. So you pay the minimum payment every month, but you still have the debt. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? So all the lambs that were slain from Genesis to Matthew paid the, it pacified the debt, but it didn't satisfy the debt. It let you live on another year, but the debt was still there. But when Jesus died, he didn't pay the minimum payment. He paid the balance. That's why you don't owe the devil nothing. You are free, and he whom the Son is set free is free indeed. So now that we are free from sin, we are living this life of sanctification where we have to become sanctified with Christ through knowing the Word of God. And that is going to take you all of your life to live a life of becoming sanctified. That's called sanctification. He said you need the mark of God on your life. You need the mark of sanctification. There, need to be, there, there should be a mark on your life that people can tell you are different. Come ye out from among them, be separated. I've called you out to be a peculiar people, a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. That is the gospel. That is the truth of Christ in our life, that there should be a mark on your life when you get saved that people say there's something different about you. And many of us, we've got the Ark of the Covenant, but we don't have the Mark of the Covenant. And there's got to be something different about you that separates you from the world. You can't just hang out with everybody and do whatever you want to do and see whatever you want to see. And people sleep around and then I'm in church and doing this and I'm getting high and I'm getting drunk, but I'm saved and I'm doing, living however I want to live and I'm safe. Safe from what? If you're living like the world and then you get saved and there's no change in your life, you save from what? When you get saved, there should be a change in your life because you have the mark of the covenant. I know a language. I know a heavenly language. I know the word of God. I've got the Holy Spirit, and it is not my second language. My wife speaks Spanish fluently. My mother-in-law speaks Spanish fluently. They're from Panama. She taught that language to Joanne. None of my children speak Spanish. Because Joanne married someone that was not her culture. 
She married someone that is not her culture and it became 10 times harder for her to speak the language in the home. That's why the Bible says, when the Bible says don't be unequally yoked, it says don't marry somebody who doesn't have the same father. It's not talking about ethnicity. It's it's talking about spirituality. Somebody who doesn't have the same God that you have. Because if you marry somebody who doesn't have the same God you have, it's going to be so much harder for you to have the language of heaven in your home. Oh, God. And now you got all these kids walking around. They don't, they don't know Spanish. And the language has been lost. All it takes is one parent saying, I'm not going to teach the next generation and sauced. All it takes is you to say, I'm not going to teach the word of God to my children. I'm not going to teach prayer. I'm not going to teach sacrifice. I'm not going to teach praying in the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to teach tithing. I'm not going to teach going to God's house faithfully. I'm not going to teach deliverance. I'm not going to teach, and we don't teach it, and we just become quiet about it. We don't say nothing. The church don't say nothing. People don't say nothing. At home, they don't say nothing. And before you know it, you've lost a generation because you learn a language when you're young. It's so much harder to learn Spanish at 40 and 50 and 60. You learn it while you're young. That's why most people who get saved, who get filled with the Holy Ghost, they do it at a young age because your heart is moldable and pliable. That's why the world wants to indoctrinate our children. That's why we started our own school called Creative Academy where we can teach them the Word of God and hide it in their hearts. Bring back to their remembrance that they should not be ashamed of their faith. I love what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 5. It says, when I call to remembrance the unafraid of their faith, which is in you, that you are unafraid of your faith, Timothy, which I first saw in your grandmother Lois and in thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that it is in you also. I mean, it's amazing to see the faith that was in Timothy. Paul says, I see it in you, but I first saw it in your grandmother. Whoo, come on, somebody. And then I saw it in your mother. And I'm persuaded that it's in you. Because it was passed down from generation to generation. I am the God of, your, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God says, I want to bless your children and your children's children. Woo! Is the faith that grandmama had in mama and is it in you? Are we teaching it to our children? I see something that was in there from yesteryears, and I pray that it's in your children, and I pray that it's in your children's children. Our spiritual fathers did not live this loosey-goosey, saved on Sunday, drunk on Friday night lifestyle. They didn't have that. We need, to, we need some of this stuff from yesteryears. Back in our hearts, where a man's word was his bond, and he was the husband of one wife with no girlfriends on the side. And we need this generation to know this language or they will never speak it. 
Because if they don't hear you speak the language, they will never speak the language. And the only way the next generation speaks a language is as they hear you speak it. That my praise is not just what comes out of my mouth, but praise is also my body language. Come on, somebody. That I lift up holy hands. Everybody lift up their hands. We lift up holy hands. We clap. Come on, somebody. We clap. We, we shout. Somebody say hallelujah. That we teach our children. We need to let our kids not be ashamed to worship and not be ashamed to lift up their hands and bring their Bible and take notes and teach the word of God to them. Teach them how to plead the blood over their house and teach them how to lay hands on each other and prophesy healing over each other in the name of Jesus. Let them see you sling oil and anoint the family with oil and plead the blood of Jesus over the whole family. I know it's old-fashioned, but I still believe in pleading the blood of Jesus Christ. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. There's power in the blood of Jesus. There's power in it. Because when they get older, they'll remember that there's a language that drives devils away. They'll remember that there's a language that breaks the yoke of bondage in their lives. And your kids ought to see you cry. Your kids ought to see you pray. Your kids ought to see you worship and lay out on the floor and cry out to God. John 8, 28, Jesus said, I only speak those things which I've heard my father speak. Jesus said, I speak what I hear my father speak. He taught the disciples, whatever the father speaks, that's what I'm speaking. I love this verse, I'm almost done, but it says even in scripture, even in scripture, when they tried to deny the Lord, Peter is is there around the fire and they've arrested Jesus. Listen to me, young people. Jesus is there and they've arrested him and now Peter's around the fire and they came to Peter and said, hey, aren't you one of those? Aren't you one of those disciples? Aren't you one of those Christians? Yeah, yeah, you. you you one of those tongue talkers. They called us holy rollers. You one of them. You one of them tithers. You one of them volunteers down there at that creative church. I seen you. Yeah. And Peter, Peter was so scared, he, he, he tried to curse. He said, I don't know the Lord. I'm not one of them. I don't know God. I don't know Jesus, even three times. And look what it says in Mark 14 and 70. But a woman listening said to him, She said, surely you are one of them because your speech betrays you. Oh, God. Oh, God. I'm praying that we teach Jesus, that we teach the Holy Spirit, that we teach the power of God and the word of God so strong in our kids that when these young people try to go into the wrong house, when they try to go into the wrong atmosphere, when they try to go into the wrong situation, they say, no, 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 there's something in you that you can't be in this party. You can't do this because there's something in you. Your speech betrays you. Your own speech. No, 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 I've seen you. I've seen you. Your daddy, you get out of this party. 
We can party and sleep around and get drunk and get high, but you can't because your daddy's one of them tongue talkers. We don't want you in our party. No, we ain't going to get in a relationship with you. Your mama's got that Holy Ghost. We don't want her. We can't sleep with you. We ain't going to sleep with you because we, we know your mama. We, we know we saw you down at that church. You want them spirit-filled girls. I want our kids so full of God that they're, when they try and sin, I told my kids the other one of them tried to lie to me. I said, you're a terrible liar. Because I never taught you how to lie. Yeah. Oh, God. That when they try and lie, they suck at it. That when they try and curse, they suck at it. That when they try and sleep around and get drunk and be in the crowd, they suck at it because they're so full of God and so full of the Holy Ghost because their life has been marked by God. Because one day you will not be there, but the Holy Spirit will be there to lead them, guide them, and to direct them. Dear God, we need the church to get back to this stuff. We need a Holy Ghost down inside of you. It'll make you live right. It'll make you do right. We cannot live this mixed language, biblical Christianity. We've got to make some hard decisions to say, for Christ I'll live and for Christ I'll die, and I'm not going to lose this language. I'm not going to lose the language of faith in my home. I'm not going to lose the language of praying in tongues and praying in the Holy Ghost. I'm not going to go down the course of this world. I'm not going to let another generation come up who does not know who Jesus is. I'm not going to let another generation come up who does not know about the gifts of the Spirit and the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage in their life. And my prayer for all of us as parents Look, look back here at Young Creative. Look at these leaders. Give them another big God bless you. Look at them. They will not learn the language if you don't speak it in your home. God rebuke us. God rebuke us pumping in lies and hate and animosity and filth into our homes on giant TVs and surround sound. And God rebuke us for not taking 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes to sit down and open the word of God and teach the language of God to our children. God help us. And we wonder why we lose a generation. We wonder what we see happening in the public school system happening. We look at what we see happening in our world happening. And we have a part in this. And some of you are old enough or faintly have memories of this language. And as I preach it, little things, little moments, little memories are coming up of, oh, I remember that language. Oh, yeah, I, I remember that. What you don't speak, you will lose. You will lose it. Let's not lose the language that has been imparted into our hands. Let's preach the gospel. Preach it in season, 
Preach it out of season. Preach it when it's popular. Preach it when it's not popular. Tell the truth of the good news of Jesus Christ. And let's raise a generation who knows about the works that he has done for us. Amen. Come on, you get something out of that today. Hey, thank you so much for checking us out here today at Creative Church. I pray that this sermon really touches your heart and touches your life. You know, more than ever, we've got to write the word of God on the hearts of our children. I know everybody's busy. I get it. Joanna and I run businesses. We do ministry. We have eight kids. I get how busy everybody can be. But we want to encourage you to write the word of God on their heart. Make the time to teach them the word of God. You know, if this blessed you, you know, obviously we want to ask you to subscribe to our channel. Ring the bell for new sermons and notifications. But I just also want to say thank you to everybody who continues to give and to tithe and and support the ministry here at Creative Church. We love you. Pastor Joanne and I love you. You're in our hearts and prayers. We'll see you next Sunday.